Do you think you would have a bunk mate? No. What is a bunk mate? That's like somebody, if you were in your jail, it's called a jail cell. It means like a room at the jail. You would share a room. A room is called a cell in the jail. Do you think you'd have a friend in the jail? Yeah. Yeah, what would that friend's name be? Jillian. Oh, yeah? What's Jillian? What was Jillian's crime? Uh, driving way too fast. Oh. And what's your crime? Why would you be in jail? Uh, have too many tickets. For what? Um, riding too fast. Driving too fast. Or right, you're just sitting in the car and mommy's driving too fast and then you get in trouble? Yeah. <laughs> you said riding too fast. Did you mean driving too fast? Yeah. Uh, what are you driving? A Jeep. I All think right. you'd be in jail for being too cute. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> I would come see, I would come visit you in jail. Yay! <laughs> then we could do the podcast. <laughs> hey, yum's the word, haven't you heard? The yum's the word, it was started by a bird. My name is Robin. And her hair has lots of curls. Actually, I blow it out a lot. Two stories, some awkward. Like wetting the bed next to your boyfriend. Pretty funny and absurd. Like your boss tickling your side boob. So welcome all you nerds. And cool people too. This is for everyone. Except kids. Yum's the word. Hey everybody, welcome to Yum's the Word. I'm Robin Gelfenbein, and at the top you heard my six-year-old niece Morgan talking about doing the podcast in jail. Wouldn't that be fun? Now Morgan recently asked me if she was the funniest one on the podcast, and that struck me as sort of funny, but then I realized she actually doesn't know that professional comedians with international acclaim are on the podcast all the time because we never let her hear those parts. So no wonder why she thinks she's the funniest one. (laughs) I had to tell her she was one of many funny people on the podcast. Because nobody loses, everybody wins. (laughs) Speaking of funny people, happy Canada Day. This is one of my favorite days of the year. I love Canadians, not just because they've created some of the funniest people on the planet like Mike Myers and Eugene Levy. But they've just created some beautiful men who I have had relationships with. So I have a thing for Canadian men. Uh, Also, happy National Ice Cream Month. This is one of my other favorite months of the year for obvious reasons. And we have so much planned for it. And I'll tell you more about that later in the episode. But first, if you've been listening to the past two episodes, you know that all month we've been talking about Orange is the New Black. Now, I am only three episodes into season four, but from what I hear, it's their best one yet. So if you haven't seen season four yet, fear not. There will be no spoilers in this podcast episode at all. Promise. But there will be some great stories from stars from the show. Today, we've got three fine ladies from Orange is the New Black, including Connie Shulman, who plays Yoga Jones, Michelle Hurst, who plays Miss Claudette, and Kathy Curtin, also known as Wanda Bell. I spoke to Kathy in studio recently about the show. Here's part three of our chat talking about Orange and at long last, flying vaginas. And I think some 91-year-old women's vaginas can fly, but I'm going to tell you right now, my moms can't. (laughs) 
I can't yeah. wait to write the tweet for this episode. <laughs> Kathy talks about Orange is the New Black and why her mom's vagina, vagina can't, can't fly. fly. <laughs> yeah. And my mom will never know about this. <laughs> we have been teasing those flying vaginas for weeks. <laughs> Hope that satisfied your itch. Vaginal itch. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> that was for you, Alex. <laughs> and I wonder why Morgan thinks she's the funniest one and she's never heard the rest of this podcast. Uh, you might be wondering what sparked that conversation. Well, during our chat, she brought up Pussy Fest, Kathy, not Morgan, and I showed her a picture of a flying vagina whose wings were made from her lips. Always classy. Always classy. All right, up next is Constance Shulman. Connie is best known for her roles on Fried Green Tomatoes, Patty Mayonnaise on the animated series Doug, and of course, Yoga Jones on Orange is the New Black. This is her story about growing up in East Tennessee in the 60s. So, um, I didn't really want to tell a story, but what I did want to do is I did uh, spend about nine years writing something. And um, and it's about me growing up, and I wanted to read some of that to you all. Um, so anyway, I'm from East Tennessee, and um, this is sort of a year in 1968, and they're just little sort of vignette things. And I wouldn't say that I'm well-liked in school. No, I wouldn't phrase it like that. Catching the ball throwing the ball, dodging the ball, hitting the ball, kicking the ball. The ball is the key to happiness. I hate the ball. That was elementary school to me. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. Lenorma, uh, she was like um, our maid growing up. So the, the story is really about the little girl and her maid. Dodo passed away in her sleep. Lenorma left early to pray for her soul. I asked my mother about Dodo's soul, and she agreed that that was a troubling thought. We ate at Peerless Steakhouse because my mother doesn't cook unless it's Sunday and we have Rice Krispies. <laughs> However, Peerless puts peas in their salad, and nobody knows why. Miss Juanita waved from the dessert bar. She does my mother's hair, makes her cry every time because it looks terrible. And we tell her it doesn't look terrible, but it most certainly does. And that continues until her next appointment with Miss Juanita. Everybody's just chewing and picking the peas out of their salad. And if no one wants to talk, then where does that leave us? My mind wanders to Lenorma and how she told me once that Dodo slept with her eyes open. And that situation now is of great concern. Did Dodo see herself die? My breathing's trying to catch up with my heart. It's trying to catch up with my mind. It's just trying to catch up. Driving myself crazy is no longer a hobby. So Lenorma made me go see Dodo at the funeral home. I said I wouldn't go if Dodo's eyes were open. And she said somebody sewed them shut. And I said that was the worst thing I've ever heard and I'm definitely not going now. 
Of course, sometimes plans happen without your consent. <laughs> Appalachian Hartman Funeral Home smelled like something that smelled like something else, like maybe my swimmer's ear medicine. <laughs> a front sitting room had a small table with two guest books, one for Gracie Lancaster and the other for Dodo Morrison. Lenorma signed Dodo's guest book. I did, too. It took me five tries to get my signature right, and Lenorma t told me to hurry up, and I said, why? Dodo's not going anywhere. <laughs> and then I peeked over at Gracie Lancaster's book, and she only had one signature, so I signed her book as well, and Lenorma shook her head like adults do when they're beyond exasperated. <laughs> Happy Hans Hartman, he's the proprietor of Appalachian Hartman Funeral Home, led us down this wood-paneled hallway with his oversized head, muttering how sorry he was for our loss. He stopped outside Dodo's room and said, if we needed anything, don't hesitate to ask. We did hesitate when we saw the framed photo of Dodo on the door. She looked like someone had swindled her out of a million dollars, like all sullen and serious and mean. And Lenorma asked, how come they couldn't find a better photograph of Dodo? And nobody answered. And I guess that was the answer. Lenorma slowly walked in, and there was Dodo, lying in her casket on this red velvet fabric, dressed in a navy blue traveling suit like she was going to Miami for a vacation, like she was the stewardess or something, like she had just come out of the oven, cooling off at room temperature. Now, don't you touch her, Lenorma said. They put chemicals on her skin and God knows what else. I don't want to touch her. Why would I want to touch her? I'm just saying, well, I don't want to. All right, then. Lenorma pulled out her Bible, the one with the zipper, and started mumbling about shepherds. I took deep breaths because somebody forgot to put any air in the funeral room, and Lenorma told me to stop breathing like that. And I realized Dodo looked more terrible than I first thought, and she didn't look good alive. <laughs> but whoever put that green eyeshadow on her sunken eyelids need to come to some serious grips. <laughs> and I began to wonder if Dodo understood the ramifications. And then it dawned on me how tiresome being a neck can be because mine was starting to buckle under the pressure from my head. <laughs> Never underprepare for seeing a dead person. They don't wake up. And they don't move or blink or inhale. And their expression stays exactly the same. And they have no opinion. <laughs> and could care less that they're formed toes are sticking out of their stocking feet because someone forgot to put on a good pair of walking shoes. And they don't listen, which is rude. <laughs> Dodo wasn't listening, but at times it looked like she agreed. And for the future, I would recommend other options to this particular venue, like somewhere with a recliner and a nice selection of beverages. I've heard you can give your eyes to another person after you're dead, somebody who's blind or lost an eye, and whoever gets Dodo's eyes won't get a wink of sleep. <laughs> Dodo hasn't moved one inch this whole time. I realize she has been carved out of soap. And there's nowhere to lean except on Lenorma, who cautioned me twice already to stand still. And I thought I saw Dodo wink at me. 
I can't hold up my head. I don't feel good. Oh, you feel fine. No, I don't. I'm going to faint. Give me your hand. Well, Lenorma had to carry me out because she said I look green, and green doesn't look good on anybody. So we went to the Dairy Queen since my blood sugar was low, and Dodo always enjoyed their dilly bars anyway. We sat and shared a banana split. Lenorma said Dodo's with Jesus now. And I looked out the window, and I saw clouds shaped like nothing, just pillows. So, thank you all. That was Constance Schulman. You can hear Connie on our December podcast episode, aptly called Jesus Steals Our Thunder, when I played We Wish You a Merry Shiksa and the spelling Maccabee with her. She was so nervous, but she did great, and she was actually pretty hilarious. Right, Alex? So right. Totes. You cannot find her on social media, but you can find her periodically at CVS on the Upper West Side. It's true. That's actually where I met her last summer because that's where I go trolling for all of my storytellers. Um, and I actually just saw her there about a month ago, and she hooked me up with this month's awesome storyteller, Joel Marsh Garland, who plays corrections officer Scott O'Neill on Orange, who also happens to be Wanda's love interest on the show. He is a riot. Seriously, his Instagram posts and Twitter uh, and even his emails to me are so damn funny. And I'm thrilled to have him on the show. So thank you, Connie. Plus, we've got Jordan Carlos from Broad City and The Nightly Show with Larry Wilmore. Johanna Goman, who was on one of our recent podcast episodes, and more. Tickets for that show are going fast, so grab those and details at yumsthewordshow.com. Hope you can join us for funny true stories, bad lips, and my homemade ice cream cakes on July 12th at 8 o'clock at Le Poisson Rouge. Okay, next up is more of my interview with Kathy Curtin. This time we talk about which prisoner she'd want to play on Orange and where else her character Wanda would want to work. Well, especially like with your passion for the prison system before, it sounds like it was like, would you say that it may have been a dream role of sorts? Um, you know, I, I, you know, I guess so. I guess so. I would really like to play a prisoner. I think uh... that would be my, my most dream role because I'd really like to see, you know, the, the, the heart, the soul, uh, the, the tear that is at the inside, mm-hmm. um, in terms of playing that prisoner. And I think sometimes playing a guard, um, I'm really glad that, you know, they humanized the guards and they gave them sort of a, a place to go um, in terms of unionizing and non-unionizing mm-hmm. and getting fired and all that. And, oh, right. Or, mm-hmm. But, I'm, I'm, you know, it's been a fascinating journey. Um, uh, you know, I, I'd like to, I don't know, I like to play all roles. So, yeah. I, you know. I got it. Uh, if Wanda weren't working in the prison, where else would she want to work, do you think? I think she'd really want to work at the passport office. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever been down in the passport office? Yes. And it's really scary because if you step out of line or if you step over, like, the yellow uh-huh. piece of tape on the floor. Like the Gestapo. Oh, my God. Yeah. It, and you can you will be asked to leave. It doesn't matter that you've been there for mm-hmm. three hours. You and you better leave when they tell you to leave. And if you come back tomorrow, you better be, you know, tail between your legs. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are heavy down there. Those, 
little titans. Is that um, who you channeled for Wanda? Were you I like, did. I thought did about you really? yes. Yeah. I thought about a guard that I met down at the passport office because he, you know, if you got in any way out of line, it was going to be a real problem. And I watched him like the whole three, four hours I was there. Oh wow! Yeah, like I'll do that. Like I'll if I'm somewhere, I'll actually just. My father taught me to do that. We used to go and sit on the steps of the Metropolitan Museum and people watch, you know. We didn't actually go in and look at the art, but we, we would sit on the steps and we would look at all the people. Uh-huh. And so I, I watch people. I actually, and I and I think that's why I love being a New Yorker. Yeah. Because, you know, like being on the subway, it's like, oh my God, mm-hmm. there's like 30 different nations on this yeah. one subway. Okay, more with Kathy in just a little bit. But first, we have another story from our live show from Michelle Hurst. I actually met Michelle just about seven years ago when uh, Morgan was born. And no, I did not meet Michelle at CBS. We actually met in a class. Michelle has an extensive theater background and has appeared in the movies Smoke and Airheads. She's also known for her role as Miss Claudette on Orange is the New Black. And she recently appeared on the PBS program Last Tango in Halifax. This is her story about the incredible celebrity run-ins she had while working at Lincoln Center. downstairs in Mitzi Newhouse. So I spent a lot of time buzzing people in, answering phones, ask, answering questions from really, I'm sorry, idiotic public people. <laughs> I, I, I came up with a theory. There's this thing called mob ignorance. It's like you hand over money and you forget how to do anything. <laughs> you don't know how to find a seat. You can't a <laughs> That's another story. Um, one of the things that used to happen fairly early on uh, when I was there as we hadn't had a lot of shows yet, so they would rent spaces out for events or, you know, just for rehearsals of other shows with other people dancing, whatever you want to call it. So I got into the habit, I guess it's not a habit, it's just one of those things of, like, we had a lot of famous people coming in all the time. Celebrities here, celebrities there, everybody coming in and do something. And I had to let them in, and I had to say hello, and how are you, and everything. But one of the things that I do really well is treat everybody like a person. I don't think anything special. I'm nice to you. I'm very open and happy that you're there and everything. But I'm going to treat you all the same. I don't care who you are. Okay? So that's what you know about me. (laughs) I say this because one of those times they rented out the space to a bunch of, you know, big wig Hollywood movie, we're going to do a play kind of people. celebrities to be in this play reading that they were going to present for four performances, invited audience only. All the invited people were going to be celebrities. So, yeah. Anyway, so um, they had to come in, they had to rehearse or anything, and this was around the era of when, for all of those of you who are very young, of the cast, there was Sean Penn, Madonna, Eric Bogosian, LaBraine Rocco, Harvey Keitel, all of those kind of And this is when, for those of you who are very young, when Sean Penn and Madonna were married to each other. 
hands walking down the hall, whatever, talking to each other, my mom would feel like that. They didn't really know how to deal with people that weren't, you know, working for them or something. But that's another story, too. So, I give you an example of how I treat people. Here's how I know. They said one time, there's going to be an event downstairs. We're waiting for this particular person to come in. Has he gotten here yet? I'm like, no, I'll call you from up where I am to where you are downstairs. Let you know when he's here. Person finally walks in and says, hi, I'm Dick Cavett. I said, hi, I know you're Dick Cavett and you're great. He looked at me with great astonishment. I bust him in and I said, okay, so you're going to go down the hall. You're going to take the stairs. You're going to do... I told him where he had to get up and everything. And he went. Um, as the day went on, at one point he came upstairs and he said, you know, I need some batteries for my tape recorder. And I looked at him and I said, so you're going to go back out the door. You're going to walk to Broadway. There's a hardware store there. There's some hardware stores on Broadway, people. Uh, in Midtown, I should say. And you're going to get the batteries. And he, again, looked at me like, are you going to get them for me? And I didn't say a word. And I'm like, go out the door and get the batteries. He came back. End of day. He comes up to me and he goes, I want to talk to you. <laughs> so I'm kind of like, okay, great. He's going to tell me he's going to talk to my boss and it's not getting fired. I don't even care. Yes? He said, I just want to tell you, I like you. <laughs> told me. I wanted to go get, I wanted batteries and I wanted you to get them for me. You told me where to go. And you coddled me. You treated me just like anybody else. And I really appreciate that. And I said, well, I'm just doing my job, you know? And he goes, no, that was great. I loved it. And I'm like, okay. So now you know how I really treat people. <laughs> um, I'm always nice, but I just, you know, I don't coddle. So the big event happens. There's Harvey Cartel, there's Madonna, there's John Ben. There is an entire audience of invited celebrities coming to this event. Well, the nice thing was that they, because we had put up with all of their mishagas, <laughs> all the time they were rehearsing, um, they invited the staff to the matinee of this reading. There were four performances, Thursday night, a Friday night, a Saturday mat, and a Saturday night. So we got to go to the matinee. So I'm like, okay, I'll get all dressed up and everything. I'm gonna look cute. I don't really have to work. So I just get to enjoy whatever this thing is gonna be. So I came down, it was in the new house. So I go downstairs to the new house. And who's sitting in the lobby but Danny Aiello. Now, Danny, you need to know, was in a show upstairs at the Beaumont. So of course, my first response is, I go over to him, I say, what the hell are you doing down here? <laughs> You're supposed to be upstairs. He goes, oh, Michelle, hi, how are you doing? And it's like, I don't have to be on for a while. You know, I'm not on until second act. I just wanted to see. I'm like, uh-uh. <laughs> I don't want them looking all around for you. You need to be upstairs. So we're you know, going back and forth like this. And what, the other thing you need to know about Danny is they've always had what we would call, I guess, in this day and age, a little entourage. <laughs> <laughs> they've always had, like, little guys. And so, because you saw Danny, I saw Danny like almost every day, and these guys were always with him, I sort of went, hey, how you doing? Nice. You know, you don't pay attention to them. They're invisible, everyone. That's a terrible thing to say about another human being, but they were invisible. <laughs> and so, I said, um, 
he's sitting there, and uh, I'm like, you need to go upstairs. He's like, I will get up there in a few minutes. And I'm like, all right, fine, and everything, but I'm still mad at him or something. And he goes, oh, by the way, Michelle, here's my friend Bobby De Niro. And I said, hey, how you doing? <laughs> go upstairs now, at least let them know you're in the building, okay? And he's like, all right, all right. I said, I said, I'll see you later. And I walked from where he had been sitting on one side of the lobby of the New House Theater to the doors of the actual theater. And as I got to the door, my brain said, Bobby De Niro? <laughs> Robert De Niro? <laughs> Oh, no, 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 no. Okay, so don't turn around. And no, God, you cannot go back. That would be so uncool. Like, you know, come on, you'd be like, ah! No, And I, you know, part of me is like, well, how come you didn't recognize him? And I'm like, well, you know, he's got, he has a beard and a full goatee, and his hair's pulled back black in a ponytail, and he's wearing all black. How was I supposed to know it was him? Okay, what am I gonna do? <laughs> You're gonna go to your seat. Because that's what New York is too. We're just too blase about everything. <laughs> so I go and find my seat because everybody else is coming in because this show's about his reading is about to start. And I go and I sit down next to one of my coworkers and I turn to my story. I said, Robert De Niro's here. Where? I said, I just he goes like, wait, I'm like, shh. He was talking out loud with Danny and yeah, he's here. And he's like, where? So the two of us, of course, start looking through the whole theater. <laughs> like, okay, so where is he? Where is he? Where is he? And it turns out he's sitting in the row right in front of me. <laughs> and he's looking straight at me. <laughs> and he's got a big grin on his face. And he's saying, oh, you finally figured that out. <laughs> most of the really good ones, they are just acting like themselves when you encounter them. Um, two, um, always be polite. <laughs> Don't be nasty because it'll come back and bite you on your butt. And three, always, always, always say Michelle told that story at our two-year anniversary show right after Orange is the New Black premiered. Larry Smith, who's the real Larry Bloom, also told a story that night about visiting Piper in jail, which you can hear on our last episode. It's an incredible story, really beautifully told. Jason Biggs, who played Larry Bloom, told a story on our show this past December, which you can hear on our podcast from a few weeks ago. And his Goy to the World quiz is on our December episode. Actually, that December episode is pretty awesome. There are some incredible stories about prison from the New York Times bestselling author Cambry Cruz and The Liar Show host and creator Andy Christie. So check those out. 
And finally, on to the last part of my three-part interview with Kathy Curtin talking about life on the set of Orange. Do you have any stories, like, from uh, the set or any favorite memories or any embarrassing moments from shooting? Oh, my gosh. Um, you know, uh, the set, not so much in a way because it's this very chill set to work on. Like, Orange is this, it's run by this producer I love, Elisa Vinicor, and she runs this incredibly ecumenical, mellow, inclusive, open door, um, very, very well-oiled, highly functional machine. And it's just, it goes really nicely. Like, and people are great, and they're kind, and they're gentle, and caring of everybody and everyone gives everybody hugs and says hello and it, there's a great spirit of, of unification and oneness on set mm -hmm. so I guess you know my greatest amazement with that set my greatest stories with that set have always been how okay I felt on that set because I've worked on a lot of sets where there's untold amount of tension and neuroses and ego drama and actor drama and mm -hmm. backstage drama right. and yelling and nastiness and meanness and ugliness. So for me, the greatest, one of the greatest gifts of Orange is to have this incredibly composed, gentle, kind and caring place to work. That was Kathy Curtin. You can find Kathy on Twitter and Instagram at Kate Curtin. That's C-A-T-E-C-U-R-T-I-N. And if you haven't heard the rest of my interview with her, you can check those out on our past few episodes. All right. So as I mentioned earlier in the show, it is National Ice Cream Month. It's actually also National Hot Dog Month. I know this because I used to drive the Wienermobile. Anyway, we will be hosting our third annual ice cream tour on National Ice Cream Day, which falls on Sunday, July 16th from noon to 5. Well, the ice cream day actually is not noon to 5. It's all of Sunday. But um, the tour is from noon to 5. We'll have details for that on our site soon. But we're also looking for your suggestions on ice cream places in New York City to hit. So send those ideas on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and Facebook to Yum's the Word Show. Now, Alex came to last year's uh, annual ice cream tour. That was our second annual ice cream tour. And tell us, what did you think of the Yum's ice cream tour, Alex? Oh, man. It was a lot of fun. Really looking forward to doing it again this year. Yeah, last year when we went, it was disgustingly humid and nasty out. It was very hot. Yeah. But every time we stopped, there was ice cream. That's right. So, perfect way to cool off, if you ask me. Can't be upset about that. What was your favorite part about the tour? Um, probably smelling our pits. <laughs> we have a really funny picture of that on Instagram of us smelling our armpits. True. But I learned what an affogato was. That's probably the best part. Uh, and, yeah, an affogato? Yeah, I've never had that before. And, and now I order all the time. What is it? Uh, it's espresso over ice cream. Mmm. Very tasty. Mmm. Well, the last two years we've gone to different Ample Hills locations because that is one of the best ice cream places in town. So I'm sure we'll find like a third Ample Hills. But we are not limited 
to doing that. So we pick three places and then we hit the first one at noon, second one at two, and the last one at five. No, noon, 2.30, and five. So you can come for all, you can come for one. It's super fun and it's a really great way to celebrate National Ice Cream Month. Sure is. It's really pretty much the best way to celebrate National Ice Cream Month. Aside from just eating ice cream every day for all three meals for 31 days. Or you could do 31 flavors. True. Baskin Robbins should totally jump on that. Right. That's our idea, Baskin Robbins. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Hope you can join us for that and for our next show on July 12th. The stories you just heard were recorded live at La Poisson Rouge in New York City. The podcast is produced by me, Robin Gelfenbein, and Alex Fulton, who wrote some of the music. And the theme song is by Mark Radcliffe. Special thanks to Vince Fairchild, Matt Fiddler, Michael Cedar, Danny Ortiz, Megan Deneen, Talia Sharon, Carly Patron, Jenna Levine, and of course, Morgan. I'm Robin Gelfenbein. Thanks for listening. Hope you get a piece. Happy Canada Day and 4th of July. And until next time. Yeah, we can do the podcast in jail. <laughs> that would be fun. <laughs> I'd be like, hey guys. Be quiet. We're good. We're doing a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Yum's the word.